does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian No, he's Eddie Garrison here on the fan. It's funny, Eddie. I randomly rewatched it was a day or two ago, the classic SNL skit with Will Farrell on the cowbell. And uh oh, dude, it's just top shelf. So well done. So well who's our guy? Christopher Walken. I'm gonna need more cowbell. Oh, it's tremendous. Great job by you. We'll, we'll uh, circle back to that. I know you have many thoughts on that. We want to welcome in Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star right now. Uh, are you a big Will Ferrell fan, Nate? I'm just curious. Are you a fan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you can always kick back and put on a Will Ferrell movie and, you know, lighten the mood a little bit, and especially this time of year in training camp. You know, that's, that's not a bad idea. I might look into that. Who who would be your go-to actor? Not necessarily a comedic actor. It could be anybody. Denzel, a big Mark Wahlberg fan. Like, who's the guy? Oh, boy. Um, I'd probably, these days, probably say Michael B. Jordan. Just really? Just anything he does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Watched Creed three recently and loved it. Um, but just he, uh, I don't know. I was a big Friday Night Lights guy when that show was humming. And then to kind of see uh, his career take off and just, uh, yeah, I, you know, big Rocky fan growing up too. So kind of Creed to me has become kind of a cool way for them to spin it forward. So was Michael B. Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, was he in Friday Night Lights? The TV show, yeah. Oh, he was. Okay, the TV show. Got it, got it. Vince and for Dylan East, was the star quarterback there. So uh, that shows, that's the best version of Friday Night Lights is the TV show. Yeah, I didn't see much of that. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. It's a good recommendation by you. Okay, so uh, Colts camp. Uh, what's the biggest takeaway for you right now as we uh, ramp closer to the season? I mean, the biggest storyline for sure is Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, And I didn't think that that's exactly where this would go, at least to this level so far. Uh, but just him you know, going on the PUP list, physically unable to perform uh, for – you know, related to an ankle surgery he had in January, but all the, you know, also in the moment when he's very much, you know, like other running backs of his caliber looking for a new contract and, uh, you know, is clearly upset about it. And so, you know, they didn't plan on putting him on pup until, you know, he met with Chris Ballard. And so it's just interesting to monitor the way that that's playing out. Uh, and it's just sort of unfortunately overshadowing what, I thought camp was going to be all about, which is Anthony Richardson. And there are moments where it's, you know, there's, it's not completely overshadowed because there was, it was cool to see all the fans come out in droves yesterday for the first open practice and Anthony, you know, going out there. And even though it was a very, very light day, I think he attempted, he attempted two passes and 11 on 11 and it was a swing pass and a flare. (laughs) So very, very light, but just having him run some of the RPO and the read option. And, you know, there's one, you know, one moment when he scrambled into the end zone, just the cheers for anything he does is just kind of way bigger than any other player right now. It just, it's, you see this hope, this excitement uh, that, that's building around him, but it's also the fact that the road it took to get here, I think, through everything that's that's predated this, you know, with Andrew Luck and uh, the, the quarterback carousel they've gone through, the three they played last year, and just the fact that 
how messy everything got last year, you know, after the coaching change and cycling through the quarterbacks and all of that. So to finally be in this moment where they have a quarterback they drafted in the top 10 to become their starter, it's like the first time they've done it since Andrew Luck. And a lot of fans here who are so nostalgic for those days, it's sort of like renewing that faith and optimism in them. And so, Ultimately, though, it's like that's what's so interesting about this camp is you have these competing emotions of that hope and buzz and excitement with also some of this confusion, dread, and drama, you know, surrounding Jonathan Taylor. So I'm curious to see how it plays out and to see which of those emotions ends up stronger in the end. What, um, what has Anthony Richardson looked like to you thus far? What, what would you, how would you describe him for someone who hasn't seen him? Yeah, so we've gotten to see him several times now. If you take it back to OTAs uh, and many, better in mini camp in the spring, and that's been the better look at him than yesterday, which, like I said, was incredibly light. Uh, but you do notice, like he, he, he I mean, he arrives kind of as advertised. Where certainly the first thing you notice is just how built he is. He just looks like a giant out there at quarterback and realizing he's going to be the guy behind center he's not playing defensive end or linebacker and then you see moments where he you know he's shifting in the pocket you know the way he'll launch his body weight from one uh, leg to the other to avoid pressure you know that's that's what the Colts are most excited about that natural pocket presence and just sheer ability the stuff that he lived up the combine with or, you know, it's all present in that body you know, at the same time, there's there's the the downsides or the the, the areas he has to get better in. You know, a lot of accuracy concerns early on in minicamp. Granted, they were intentionally making this hard for him. They have him, and they did this again yesterday. A lot of red zone drills uh, where it really condenses the field and forces him to make quick decisions. Uh, they're whistling dead anytime that he's been taking off to run, so it kind of forces him to stand back there and and make the throw and and not you know, just rely on his legs. And so there's been ups and downs to that. You know, we track the throws, you know, all the time. And, and in the spring, you know, there there were some days where he was like 4 of 13. Uh, but granted, these are, you know, settings where they're trying to make it hard on him. And within that, though, there's always a couple throws, a practice where you go, oh, that's why they drafted him. Mm-hmm. Like he'll, I remember there's a throw in minicamp where he just uh, scrambled out and just launched a ball like 65 yards in their uh, in their indoor facility, just hitting a post route right in stride, and you just realize like they haven't had a quarterback who could do that uh, in a while here in Indianapolis, and just kind of a combination between you know the, the physical tools and traits he has, the upside as an athlete with a personality that right now looks like he, he very much loves doing this and loves grinding and, and working, and teammates joking about how they can't get him to look up from his iPad because he's so locked in on the playbook and in the film. So it's been a good mix so far, but also there's a reality that like he's, it's going to be a long process to build uh, some of the natural footwork uh, mechanics, decision-making accuracy to get him to the, to the level that they really want. He's Nate Atkins from the Indy star joining us here on the fan. What did you make of Jim Ursay's tweet as if the running back position needed to be kicked out there already down? Uh, what did you make of what he had to put out there? Um, I'm guessing the uh, the person least in enjoying that tweet yesterday was Chris Ballard, uh, because that did not at all help the situation. Uh, just to you know, subtweeting your best player, I just don't think it's a great look for the franchise. It's just it, it's kind of who Jim Mercer is at this point. He's 
you know, he's vivacious. He, he, he likes to share and, and interact with fans on Twitter. And I'm guessing, you know, he definitely sounds like a response to some of the comments that Najee Harris is making about the running back position related to the Zoom call that they had. So it is a little big picture, but of course, it's front of mind to him because he's got a running back going through it. And uh, just interesting to take, you know, that coming out also the day that of the first practice, Jonathan Taylor going on the, the pup list. And he just, Jonathan looked about as miserable as I've ever seen him yesterday uh, out there at practice. Just not much joy going on uh, in the situation right now. So it just seemed to, to me that tweet, I think, just kind of added some uh, some flames. And, you know, especially when you have Jonathan Taylor's agent sort of uh, joining in on that. You know, he had quote tweeted and said, bad faith is not paying your best you know, player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's not, it's not the way you want these contract negotiations to go. And it's not the way that I know Chris Ballard wants to handle it, where it's very hard for us to even talk with him about contracts. Cause he very much believes that is, you know, a business thing between you and a player. And it's, it's not to be aired in the public. And we're at the point where it's very much being aired in the public. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Like what can the Colts do to basically kind of cheer JT up? If they're not showing it through actions, you know what I mean? The actions are giving him cash, like showing that they value him. And if they're not, I don't know how flowery words are going to do it, right? Yeah, I don't think it's they're going to find a solution that's not financial. I've, I've been through this. You know, I covered the Lions when this was a different situation, but Calvin Johnson had this a couple years after he had retired, but they had asked for money in his signing bonus back. Uh, even though he retired due to injuries for giving it all for his franchise. And they tried it. The Lions tried all these different things to kind of cheer him up and invite him to stuff. And, and he just kept saying, uh, there's one way to, to cheer me up. It's sign a check. And so that's just how this is. I think it's going to play out with Jonathan Taylor. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to say that Jonathan's all about the money, but the situation that he's in right now, I, I can understand why he's looking at this. He's an incredibly smart person. He talks. He's on the Zoom call with the running backs, and he uh, he knows a lot of the guys in the league going through this. I, I think he can see how this could play out, where he's entering a contract year for a team that wants to run the ball about you know more than any other team in football if they can with a rookie quarterback, and uh, you know bringing in the Eagles scheme with under Shane Steichen, and then next year you know he's going to hit free agency. But what's happening to start backs? that Saquon Barkley's going through is the franchise tag comes in where, you know, basically it could create a two-year window where the Colts can build out this offense around Anthony Richardson that, that could be incredibly exciting to watch. And, you know, it, and they may be very successful running the ball, but if, if, it, if it doesn't lead to a long-term extension from the Colts, what it ends up being is it's a rental with a very clear endpoint to it to where they know they can just kind of run up the carries on him uh, like, you know, have him lead the league in rushing for two years. And then where does that leave him entering free agency in the eyes of the league where he could be in a situation where of his past four seasons, uh, you know, he's, you know, there's a chance where he's led the league in rushing three of those four years. And the other one was crushed by an ankle injury. And that's just not where any player wants to end up. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I, I don't think they'll cheer him up without a contract extension, but I mean, you, you got to at least avoid, you know, making the situation worse with uh, tweets like Jim Mercy sent last night. Amen to that. No doubt. He's Nate Atkins from the Indy Star. How about Shaq Leonard? 
Uh, he's talked about coming back from major injuries, trying to be smart about not pushing his body too much. What have you seen from Shaq? Because I love his approach, but when you see him out there, what does he look like? Yeah, I was shocked to see him out there with the starting defense, to be honest with you. That was one that I felt like Chris Ballard was really trying to set uh, the expectations low and, and preach patience with him, that he, even admitting that he's made nice progress and he was going to do some things. But uh, I didn't think it would ramp up to the point where he's basically doing everything except contact is what it seems like. You know, these practices, they're not, you know, they're, they're not tackling yet. They're not doing that. So that's where I'm guessing they're going to hold him back. But as far as like running and moving around, it, it looks a lot better than it did at any point last year. It still isn't what it was, you know, two years ago when he's, you know, arguably the fastest, most explosive linebacker in the game. But even like today we were talking to Gus Bradley, defense coordinator, and he's he was kind of taken aback by how much more explosive he looks because Gus has only gotten one year with Shaq and it was, you know, the the toughest year he's had where he was never ever right last year because of that uh, nerve issue in his back and the way that it shot down to his calf and zapped his explosiveness. And the, the guy he's seeing now is much more, much closer to the one he used to watch on film when he took this job and made dreams of building out the Seahawks-style defense and having uh, Shaq Leonard in the middle of it like he once had Bobby Wagner in the middle of it. So it's gotten everybody a little excited while also knowing that there's a you know there's still a road that has to play out. And Shaq is... Shaq's super emotional. He's thrilled to be back, but he's even made that clear that he needs to match up you know, the film of practice versus the film of how he used to move and gain a sense of how close he is, how much further he needs to go. So we're not out of the woods with it, but it's definitely taken a turn for the better. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, uh, has it gotten ridiculously hot out there for you yet? Oh, yeah. I am a warm-blooded individual, so this is not my time of year. And it's uh, I think it's supposed to get up to like 97 for tomorrow's practice. So uh, that'll be fun. But it's it's been morning practices, and then Saturday is an evening practice. So uh, so that part's good about it. And, you know, and, you know it's it's football, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to be out here doing for work. So, you know, who am I to complain too much about how hot it is? But it is it's scorching. Yeah, man. Well, hey, I hope you stay as cool as possible. And great stuff, Nate. Seriously, you crushed it today. We'll catch up with you soon, man. Yep, thanks. Have me anytime. All right, thank you. There he is, Nate Atkins, Colts Beat reporter for the Indy Star. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan today. I want to welcome in Lara Overton, host, producer, reporter with the Colts. Joins us here on the show. You know, Lara, we'll get to the Colts in a second, but I uh, was just talking to Eddie. He was with us today, and he's not a big Saturday Night Live guy. He's never seen, like, the cowbell skit uh, with Christopher Walken and, uh, and Will Ferrell. Are you an SNL fan or kind of like Eddie and you haven't seen much of this stuff? I am an SNL fan, but like kind of like the glory days of like (laughs) peak SNL, like that time period you're referring to. Like, and I was an SNL watcher, like back in the days of like the church lady and like 
you know, uh, what was like the, the self-help guy, you know? Um, oh, yeah, they, you're that, good oh, enough. Yeah, yeah. You're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Like, yeah, like I remember, like, that was like the big deal. Like, if you were, like, uh, having a sleepover, it was like a Saturday, and your parents let you stay up late to, like, watch Saturday Night Live. Like, so much of the comedy was, like, lost on me because I was too young to really understand it. But, oh, man, I loved SNL, especially, like, uh, the cheerleader, Sherry O'Terry and Will Ferrell. Uh-huh. Remember that whole oh, thing? Yeah. Molly Shannon. Um, yeah, when, all of those things. I absolutely loved it. I haven't watched it in a long, long time, but uh, I do. I do appreciate some SNL, uh, definitely, um, references. Uh, you know, I'm very much like you. I haven't seen it in a long time, but the era that you're talking about, some great moments. I remember Michael Jordan uh, being on that, like yes. looking in the mirror and gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> it was just hilarious. Or, very or like when when Chris when Chris Farley was uh, Matt Foley, the inspirational oh, speaker. Yeah. You know, living in a van down by the river. That was incredible stuff. Now, what do you think of a guy like Eddie Garrison, who's a tremendous young man? But he hasn't seen any of this stuff, right? Like nothing. I think we need to. I think we need to ed- educate Eddie. I think he just needs to be a little bit more cultured, and you know, maybe maybe he doesn't appreciate it to the degree that we do. But I do think he'll be entertained. I'm confident in that. Okay, maybe you can add to our growing list. I said there are two skits he's got to see because he saw the Peyton Manning one with the little kids, which was hysterical. Oh, yeah. But I said you got to yeah. see the cowbell one. You got to see that with oh. Christopher Walken. And I went yeah. with the Tim Tebow one where Jason Sudeikis is Jesus and he's in the Broncos locker room. I, that one was hilarious <laughs> to me. Is there one that you would recommend? Back. I need to go back and watch that one. Oh, you'll love that. that one spe- oh, I don't so remember good. that one specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, I was always, I loved a good, like when they did a uh, weekend update with Norm McDonald, there uh-huh. were some epic like weekend <laughs> updates. And I'm, I can't think of like one in particular, but I love those. And I think that the weekend update is an element of SNL that has stood the test of time. Like now with, um, is it Colin Jost and Michael Che? I think now, like the way that they've evolved that, I think has just been incredible. Um, I... I was always a sucker for the for the Spartan cheerleaders. Like I just uh, just any of those bits, anything with that tandem of Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry will have me like maybe in the foulest mood, worst day of all time, and I will be cracking up laughing. I love it. That's tremendous. Uh, those are tremendous recommendations. That's top shelf by you, uh, Lara Overton, with us here from the Colts, uh, joining us on the fan. I'm going to shift to the to Indy here. What are what's your reaction to? Jim Irsay putting the tweet out there about the running back market as a whole, and more importantly, how that affects Jonathan Taylor as a ripple effect to that. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it really affects anything any beyond the, the, the conversations that have been had um, internally. I think, obviously, you know, Mr. Irsay always does a great job of staying apprised and using his platform um, within the league to voice his uh, opinions and his uh, positions on different things, but I don't think that it really created any sort of um, greater impact on really anything else aside from where things already were. Did you, um, what was your takeaway? Like, forget about Jonathan Taylor for a second. Did you uh, agree with Jim Irsay uh, with what he's talking about in terms of the, the running back market as a whole and not renegotiating any part of the CBA? Uh, What was your personal takeaway from it? 
Well, I don't know that I I don't have enough of a in-depth knowledge of kind of all of obviously, you know, Mr. Ursay is so involved in those negotiations and has such great knowledge of not just the current CBA, but all of them in in his tenure as an owner within the league. So I don't have enough, you know, understanding of exactly all of the entities within it. And this is a huge conversation broader, you know, within running backs, you know, across the league. I think that one of the things is you just, you always want, uh, you always want to have, the most exciting players on the field and you also want to be sure that they are you know be feeling and that, that they are you know valued within their their organizations and so i do think that it's uh it is an interesting evolution and in how the running back position has been perceived um and how it has been valued and you hope just kind of when you take i think that right now we're in such a we're looking at a very micro period of time with it. It's, you know, the last few seasons is what it is. And then I think it'll help to have a bit of a broader perspective. And I think everyone right now is a bit knee-jerk to the whole reaction. There's a bit of a domino effect when you see what's going on with, with Saquon Barkley, uh, with Dalvin Cook, obviously, being on the free agent market. And so I think it'll take some time. I, I want to say that as we look larger scale and and hopefully looking long term that you hope that things kind of even out. There are always these trends in the league with how different things are perceived and how they're acted upon. And I think that when we get into, it's also a big conversation right now because there aren't games to talk about. So I think there's even heightened attention on it. So hopefully, you know, by the time that the season gets here and certainly as we get into the season, things level out a bit. Yeah, how about um, when, when you look at Anthony Richardson heading into his rookie season, and when you've seen him, it's tough to gauge what type of season it's going to be when it's so early on with the off season and camp and all of that, but what are you hopeful for to see from Anthony Richardson, and what do you think is realistic in terms of production in his rookie campaign? I, I think what you hope to see is, you know, uh, just in – incredible pocket presence, growing confidence, growing mastery of the playbook, and also a an understanding of not having to do too much or not being forced to do too much, making sure that he is obviously playing to his strengths and able to showcase his athleticism, but also confident in using the assets and the weapons that are surrounding him. I think that's one of the things that you hope that as a rookie, they're able to lean on the rest of that support system around them, the rest of the guys within their offense to help them find success and then also help them in the times in which they are not successful, quickly figure out the adjustments they need to make to not make those same mistakes or improve upon some of those struggles. And one of the things we heard from Chris Ballard when he met with the media on Tuesday was one of the assets that Anthony Richardson has outside of this just tremendous skill set that he has is such an even keel demeanor um, and his ability just, just overall that he's a very mature poise and presence about him. And Chris is really confident that that will help Anthony in terms of navigating the inevitable highs and lows that there are within any rookie season, but especially a rookie quarterback 
type of season. And then in terms of production, I think that it's a little too soon to jump all the way to that degree because you've got to know what games he's starting in, how many games he's going to start, and if he's going to start the beginning of the season, when he's coming in, is Gardner Minshew starting? So I think that there are, throughout this preseason, it's going to be very interesting to see how they balance out the amount of playtime for all three quarterbacks, and then also which quarterbacks are with which units, who's with the ones, who's with the twos. There was a fair mix that you saw just on day one. And I think that those will be some things over the course of the next three weeks that will help give us an indication of how soon Anthony Richardson can be a starter and then exactly what you're going to see when he does have that opportunity. And, you know, this isn't just the, you know, kind of uh, feeding the PR propaganda whatsoever, but there is a great dynamic on, on in terms of all three of those quarterbacks right now. They are all really helping, helping one another get better. And Gardner Minshew said it yesterday that he's like, I hope Anthony is great yeah. so that I can get even better. Yep. And I just thought that was such a great testament to how Gardner is approaching his role and how much they're feeding off of the very positive competitiveness that there is within this group. What I think will be probably the earliest indication of truly where Anthony Richardson is kind of within this offense and within this playbook is when we get to those joint practices against the Chicago Bears. She's Lara Overton from the Colts here. I thought the same thing about Gardner. I thought that was just a tremendous a comment where it's like, I hope Anthony's great. And that means I got to be even better. Like that is such a great attitude. How about this? Who are you rooting for the most? Meaning this, I don't want you to think of it like, well, Anthony Richardson, because if he's good, then that's going to make the biggest impact. Think of it more like this. It's, I think more circumstantial, not, not really like what's going to impact success, but Think about the circumstances of Shaq Leonard coming back from numerous surgeries, major injuries, back-related. Think about Jonathan Taylor. We talk about the running back market and how the pay doesn't come close to the production. He's coming off the ankle injury. Is it Anthony Richardson, who's doubted by many? He didn't have a whole lot of college experience. Like Just based on any of those players or anybody else, Like who are you pulling for the most to just have a strong season based on whatever they're faced with? I don't, there's certainly no wrong answer to that. And there are a ton of great options within this roster of guys who are one so easy to root for guys who have overcome adversity to get to the point that they are and who have struggled with different variables. Um, I'm going to give you, I think I'm going to give you a, a couple Zach Leonard, absolutely one of them. And that is not just because of obviously He's the maniac. He's the takeaway king. Uh, he, you know, he's former defensive rookie of the year. It, not just because all of the injuries that he has overcome and all of the adversity that he has faced to rally back. And I mean, I thought it was incredibly encouraging how much he was able to do yesterday after doing nothing during the OTA minicamp period. When you heard his reaction to the crowd and that reception, that he got, he was asked by James Boyd about it in media after, and he said he got goosebumps walking out there on the field. And I thought that was a really clear indication of how much Shaq Leonard's presence 
means to this team. And I'm not even saying that he has to get back necessarily to all of those numbers necessarily and chase all of those, you know, stats that you're used to. I just think he makes a difference, even if he is just, you know, consistent and creates some turnovers and just who he is on the field and the degree of attention that he commands from opposing offenses. He's one of the greatest difference makers across the board for this roster. Second guy I'm rooting for like crazy, Kenny Moore. Uh, Again, a guy who struggled with finding his fit within a Gus Bradley defense. Didn't necessarily have the type of season he wanted last year. He came in and had just such a revitalized uh, energy when he came back in the spring. So much. Just felt he felt so wise and mature and really felt like he used the offseason to invest a ton in his own personal growth. And he's going to need to exude that because this is a very young cornerback group. And I think that Kenny will set the tone for that unit. And so I think that that comes in terms of not only uh, the production that he has, you know, at nickel, but it comes in how he practices, how he conducts himself, how he does all of those things. I think that's it. And then number three for me, and this is a huge one, it is Drew Ogletree because he was the stud of camp last season and where he was progressing was ahead of where Jelani Woods was at, you know, that point in camp when Drew tore that ACL and was out for the remainder of the year. That was a pretty devastating blow for this offense because Drew had been making plays all over the field. And if you look at the weapon that Jelani emerged into being, it kind of gives you an indication of, man, if Drew had just stayed consistently on the trajectory he set in camp, that guy would have been, and he would have been a monster in the in the red zone. So that's another guy, and that'll be a guy, I think it'll be an interesting storyline uh, to follow over the course of the preseason. Really hoping to see him on the field when we get to Buffalo, because that was that only preseason appearance for him last year, and I think that that could be a big full circle moment for him to get back if he's able to get out there, make some big plays in Buffalo. No, that's great stuff, and uh... Look, before you go, Lara, I noticed how you said uh, goosebumps. I also say the same thing. Uh, have you ever said chill bumps? That's something Michael Jordan used to say. Have you ever gone with that? Um, I, I have heard chill bumps, but I'm a goosebump per- person. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've also heard like goose pimples, which is an oh, interesting really? one. And I don't, think, I don't think quite rolls off the tongue the same. But yeah, I'm a goosebump <laughs> kind of person. And if Shaq Leonard's saying goosebumps, I'm on goosebumps. I'm team goosebump if 5'3 is saying it that way. I hear you. And now Shaq is also team jitterbugs. Like, I think that's awesome. I typically go butterflies. Eddie goes nerves. What do you do of the three? Butterflies, jitterbugs, or nerves? Oh... I, see, I think it's it's perceived differently. I would use nerves differently from butterflies. Like butterflies to me is kind of like a good, excited type of like feeling. Like you know, um, and then nerves, I feel like is a little bit more of like a like a uh, pressure. Uh, kind of under the gun, maybe type. Of, so I would use them in different scenarios. I don't know that I would use them interchangeably. If that makes sense. No, I hear you. You know, it, and I feel like uh, it's a it's a big uh, it's a big ask if you don't say y'all, and you're like, you know, I'm just gonna start saying y'all today. 
you feel like, I, I don't know if I can pull this off right. You know, it's a major commitment <laughs> for it to be second nature there. Uh, no, I agree. I was just in Canada, and I tried to I tried to jump on the, the train of saying A, and I couldn't do it. Because it just came off as like the weird American who's trying to really uh, jump in and, you know, get cultured on some maple syrup and Labatt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, hey, Lyra, great stuff. Really appreciated the visit, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you soon sometime. I look forward to it. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. All right, you too. There she is, Lara Overton, host, producer, reporter with the Colts, joining us here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. want to welcome in Ben Arthur, AFC South reporter for Fox Sports. You can also find him on the Fox Sports app on top of foxsports.com. And the NFL on Fox. Do you rule Fox at this point? Is it Brady followed by Ben Arthur right now? What's going on there, Ben? You're everywhere. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that no, that's way too much, uh, way too much praise uh, to to kind of be in in the same conversation as Tom Brady, who uh, who, who I guess hasn't even joined us yet. Um, but uh, but very humbled by the by trying to put me in the same breath as Tom, but but excited to be on with you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. Good to be here with you as well. How about this? This series quarterback on Netflix, right? They're looking for the next trio of quarterbacks that are going to be featured on this. And there are some of the big names that have turned it down. Who has the most compelling story for a series like quarterback? Look at these rookies in the AFC South. Is it C.J. Stroud? Is it Anthony Richardson? Is it Will Levis? If you're Netflix and you could land one of the three, who would be your choice? Oh, that's a good question. I think of the three, I, I would I would probably say Anthony Richardson is number one just because of all the intrigue about him, right? Kind of what he is as an athlete, uh, a generational from a you know a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint at the quarterback position. Um, and, and I think he's just, you know, a really kind of unique person. Um, I think we've kind of seen that come across in the interviews he's done and then a feature I recently did on him um, earlier this month, uh, just kind of about his personality and, and kind of how he's wired. I think uh, I think Anthony Richardson would, would be kind of number one of the AFC South QBs. But, but I, I think kind of Will Levis would kind of be up there too because I think, there are a lot of perceptions about him and kind of how he carries himself. And, um, and, and then obviously kind of what, what he dealt with at Kentucky, just in terms of what he was, uh, what in, in the 2021 season versus kind of what the pr- product was in 2022 when entering a situation in Tennessee where he's battling Tannehill and, and Malik Willis, uh, I think that would maybe be number two, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, Anthony Richardson, I'd have to say, is number one, would have to be number one on my list. When you look at Jacksonville, so they're the runaway favorite to win the AFC South. 
They also have about 40% of the money on BetMGM for them to win the most games of any team this season. So when you think about that, and are they overrated heading into this season? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. If maybe they're overrated. I, I mean, I don't think they're, they're going to be they're, they're truly in contention for a Super Bowl this year. Although I, I know for a fact that they kind of believe that, you know, based off of what they did last season and kind of year two with Doug Peterson and every, the whole shebang. I know that they in-house, they believe that, but, but I'm still not ready to put them above like the, the Bengals um, and the Chiefs. I, I still think they're kind of a step below that. But look, I think they can close that gap really quickly. And I think as long as Trevor Lawrence continues that ascension we saw at the end of last season. We need to see him do what he did at the end of last year for a full season. If, if you remember, like the first half of last season was, was very inconsistent and, and the Jags weren't very good. And so I think Trevor is going to be really key for them kind of living up to that hype. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can win 11, 12 games for sure. But but I think to, to be on the level uh, of the Chiefs and the Bengals, or even the Bills, maybe to a slightly lesser extent. I'm not sure I'm I'm quite ready to put them there yet um, because we haven't seen them out on the field. But but you know, getting a guy like having Calvin Ridley in the fold now, and and the clips I've seen, I haven't gotten down to Jacksonville yet. But man, he <laughs> if he looks anything you know like he has looked in practice man like having a number one receiver like that on top of a really good pass catching uh core for, for Trevor Lawrence i mean they're definitely poised to make noise i think right now it's just kind of how much noise they can make is is the big question in my mind he's Ben Arthur from Fox Sports joining us here on the fan how about a reasonable big surprise in the division would you say the jags struggle the Titans win the division, the Colts surprise in a good way. Like, what's the most reasonable big surprise, good or bad, in your mind? Uh, hmm. Well, I, I think, well, first I, I would say is I think the Titans are going to be a lot better than people think. I don't think the gap with the Jaguars is as wide as people think. Uh, I think we have to remember, like, it took – you know, all the injuries they had uh, to, to, you know, Josh Dobbs uh, kind of coming in. Ryan Tannehill was hurt at the end of the season. They had more than 80. They, they played more than 85 guys uh, for a second straight season. Uh, I, I think with the right health um, and, and if that O-line can hold up, I mean, this is still a very competitive team. I, I think this is still – a really great defense, particularly on that front. Um, their run game, obviously, with Derrick Henry still playing at a high level. He had over 1,500 rushing yards last season. He's still um, playing at a high level. And then adding DeAndre Hopkins to a uh, kind of an unproven pass-catching core, but but Traylon Burks and Chigo Conquo, their second-year tight end, I think that's kind of a good little group to work with. And so I think the I think I would say is that the Titans are going to be a lot more competitive in the AFC South uh, 
with the Jaguars than people think. And I think it's going to be a tight race. I, I don't think the Jaguars are just going to run away with the division. I, I, I truly think Tennessee is going to give um, Jacksonville a run for its money. Man, when you look at the running backs in this division, I was just thinking, Ben, it, like Derrick Henry is the rock star. But if you start to think yeah. about who's going to be the most productive, Damian Pierce had a really strong rookie season. Jonathan Taylor had a, a monster season this, the year before last. And then, you know, uh, you also uh, you think about Travis Etienne, who's a talented guy. Like, Who do you think eventually will be the most productive running back in the AFC South this season? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think with running backs, you just kind of, you have to kind of take it season by season. Um, and then, so this season, I mean, Derek is obviously, as you said, is kind of number one, but I think Damian Pierce is poised for a monster season. Uh, I think the Texans have by far the best O-line uh, in this division. We saw the extension. They just gave the right tackle, Titus Howard. You know, Laramie Tunsil is one of the best left tackles. Uh, in football, he's the highest-paid O-lineman in, in league history. Um, they traded for Shaq Mason, who's been one of the best guards in the league for a really long time. Uh, Juice, Juice Scruggs, their second-round pick, is supposed to be the starting center. Like, I really like the group they have up front, and uh, they're going to depend. D'Amico Ryans, he's kind of said it blatantly I mean they're really going to depend on the run game and looking at the personnel they have up front I think Damian Pierce as long as he can stay healthy right he played he missed four games last year but if he's healthy um, I think he's gonna have a monster year so um, I think you know people should kind of have Damian Pierce circled in, in terms of production for for the upcoming season well hey man great stuff Ben really enjoyed it uh, don't forget about me as you're ascending to the top of the Fox ranks with all your fancy titles right now, you know, bring me along with you. For sure. I got you, man. <laughs> all right, man. We'll catch you later, Ben. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. There he is, Ben Arthur, AFC South reporter for Fox Sports. Again, I love this uh, rundown here. You can find him on Fox Sports, on the Fox Sports app. Also, FoxSports.com. That's not all. NFL on Fox. If it's got Fox on it, it's probably going to have Ben Arthur on it. 